Welcome to Untold with me, Mike Adam. Uh, Since this is the first episode, I just wanted to tell you why I started this series and what I hope that it'll do. Homelessness has always been a block away from me, really. Growing up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, living in Philadelphia, working in New York, it's unavoidable, undeniable, and I never wanted to turn a blind eye to it. I wanted to help these people, to know their story. So what I hope these interviews do is that they humanize the homeless. I hope they break down stereotypes and stigmas. I hope this encourages people to get involved and to make change. And last but not least, I hope this outlet allows these individuals to finally feel like they've been heard, like their story's been told. This is Untold, and I'm glad you're here. In studio with me right now, I have Flower. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, if you have any siblings, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, I had had a pretty good childhood. Um, I have one younger sister, three years younger than me. Okay. And we grew up in Staten Island, uh, in Tottenville, actually. You know, we had money. Yeah. And uh, I was like a good Catholic school girl. I went to Catholic school my whole life. Uh, grammar school, high school, uh, college. I graduated from college with an accounting degree, oh, a wow. bachelor's of science. So I'm pretty smart <laughs> in math. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where did you go to school? Uh, well, I, I went to St. John Villa Academy, an all-girls school okay. in Staten Island. Your sister did as well? Yeah, but she got kicked out. She was she was the bad one. I was the good one, and she was the bad one. Dying her hair, yeah, yeah. smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I just tried to, like, take the right path uh-huh. in life. Uh, you know, but um, she got kicked out, and she went to public public school, my sister. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are, are you, have you been, and are you still very close with your sister? Somewhat. Well, well she moved to Texas, so okay. she she actually became very successful. She ha- she owns her own condo. Uh, you know, she works. Um, she has a good job. She's like a project manager. She's doing really well financially. Now, when you got out of school, did yeah. you hit the ground running? Did you find yeah. a job right away? Yeah. See, I've always been very res- responsible. Okay. You know, I've always been. Um, yeah, I used. To, I had a great accounting job. I always had my own apartments. I always took. I never depended on a guy. I always was independent and pretty much took care of myself. Yeah, which and, was good. And were you uh, were you at that one job for your entire career? Or no, okay. no, no. I get I get bored easily, so I I would switch switch up. Like I was, you know, working for Weikert at one time in New Jersey. I used to drive too. Okay. And uh, you know, I used to travel to Jersey from Staten Island and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, so basically, like I said, ev- everything was, was good. Um, you know, my mom, um, if you want me to go back to, to my childhood a little, you know, my mom, my mom had lots of rage and anger and I used to be very frightened a lot. Uh, you know, so when I, and I was also made fun of very badly in grammar school. Like every day of grammar school was very painful for me because I'm a very sensitive person and they used to just make fun of everything about me and I had to take it. I had to just suck it up and take it. 
And when I would go home, you know, my mom said, just get over it. There wasn't a lot of, like, my mom tried her best. My parents tried their best, but there wasn't a lot of emotional support, a lot of material. I got tons of clothes, tons of nice things. Right. But the emotional side was lacking. So I felt very lonely a lot growing up. Would your That's would your sister say her experience was the same? Similar, yeah. But she 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 got along with my parents a little a little bit more okay. than I did. You know, my mom used to just fight with me. I look like my mother. <laughs> she used to fight with me a lot. She didn't like that. It was sad. But I was always like a mama's girl. So you know, what was the last job you had before things kind of took a turn? Okay. Well, so I used to work in accounting. And I did well with that. And then I noticed like all like kind of like, yeah, my life started to kind of take a little bit of a downward um, turn. Um, You know, I I suffer from some mental, you know, whatever personality stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed with that. Okay, You know, Um, what what is is it specifically? You want me to say it? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's a big stigma again about the borderline okay so for years they had me as um bipolar type 2 like depressed like i would go into depression i wouldn't want to get out of bed but i could still function like i still have a great you know social personality and you were going to work yeah and i was i was good and um like i was able to function all the way um, and also, you know, I always attracted bad boys. I, my mother tried so hard to tell me, Adrian, you know, don't go with the bad boys. But I, but I, I didn't listen. I mm-hmm. can't listen to her. <laughs> so it was kind of like a rebellion a little bit. Right. So um, to get back to it, uh, you know, for years they had me as um, bipolar. And then one woman met with me when I was in, in my mid-30s and she said, you know, it sounds like you could have borderline. Um, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, like I felt like like having bipolar for me, like what they said I had, I felt better about myself the minute I heard the borderline term. My, I, I became like deeply depressed, and you know now it's like just a label, you know. Um, how, how old were you at that? I, I was in my 30s. Okay. You know, um, but uh, my my mom has it too. She's undiagnosed, but I know that's what I grew up in, and I used to be scared to death about her rage. She used to flip out on my father, and my father used to just take it. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't. I said, you know, their marriage is messed up. I don't ever want to get married. I told myself I'm never going to get married. But um, uh, you know, to get to get back to it, uh, you know, my mother tried to always shelter me in life from bad people and I always have a very trusting heart mm-hmm. I always trust people first and then when they give me a reason then I don't but I go back the other way I'll trust first like I try to see the good in people yeah. you know and I'm a helper I like to help people too yeah. um, and I you know I remember when I was younger um, Phil Collins another day in pa- I remember that song just it spoke so deep like seeing him like you know like seeing how people were like people suffering was always like my heart just I have a lot of compassion and it's just I always wanted to like be able to help people too that was always in my soul yeah you yeah. know so you were still working at this point when you were diagnosed with that, right? Well, I, I, I became unemployed a little, you know, some some of my symptoms. Just because the, the depression set in? Yeah, and, stuff. and it was hard, you know, actually, um, it, it was hard to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I would be, I'm a great worker, mm-hmm. but there were times when it was difficult to get out of bed and make it to work, you know, and currently I'm on disability. Mm-hmm. I was awarded disability because of that. 
were you unfortunately but did you reach out to anyone when yeah. you were feeling this way yes. did anybody come to your aid well yeah i mean the thing is i've always had friends like my friends you know my parents were not emotionally available they never I tried to explain to them, you know, and I'm the only one in the family that sought therapy. I'm the only one in the whole family that, you know, tried medication. You know, I tried, you know, I used to do yoga. Yoga is amazing for healing purposes, spirituality, meditation. I can meditate. You know, I have a lot of gifts. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stigma about the borderline and, of you know, the homeless. The home, there's just like so much of a stigma. So did... Uh, financially, it seemed like you were set up good, like you were okay. Yes. What, what happened? Oh, okay. Did the money yeah. dry oh, 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 up? Oh, okay. What? Okay. So, so, yeah. So, I'll tell you. Well, what happened was, um, so, so, my, so my life just kind of started to like go downward. And to answer your question, um, so I was working in accounting, then I was unemployed, and then I got a job at the at the parks department, and that was still good. I was still able to work and everything, and then from there. Um, I got a job working as uh, like a host, a hostess at a diner mm-hmm. in Staten Island, and um, and that was good. But were, again, were I always in, I'm sorry. Yes. Were you in Staten Island the entire time while you were working, or did you bounce around at all? Yeah, well, I, I worked in Manhattan. I but worked you were in still Jersey. I, w- I was in always Staten. living. Okay. Yeah, I was living in, in Staten Island. So I so up until 2009. Okay. Well, I actually I lived in New Jersey for one year. Mm-hmm. I moved out and I sat down, moved to New Jersey with a one bedroom apartment. I was still doing okay. Everything was, was good. And then I came back to Staten Island. And uh, that was when, like, thing I noticed just things started to kind of go downward for me in a way. And then I never had roommates. And then in, in 2012, uh, I wasn't able to pay the rent anymore. And I had to downgrade to renting a room. And you you were still working at this point. Yeah, I was working on and off, okay. but it wasn't like what I was used to my accounting like full time. Were you taking any medication? Were you yeah? Well, like, were I, you going to therapy still? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was always in therapy, which was great. I always had like that support network. Yeah, and you know, I I used to be on like antidepressant back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay, because for borderline, you know, there really is no. Me- it's a personality thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you have to work with it. Um, so yeah, so my life started to take a downward turn, and then then I I, I, I fell in love with a, home, a homeless man on the street. How did that even yeah well come it, to be? Oh, actually, I lived across the street from the homeless park. Okay. So I was like this spiritual hippie. Yeah, yeah. Little savior type. You know, I have a lot of love in my heart, and there was this man that just caught my eye. There was something special about him. And I, I and I, I said, oh my God, he was sleeping on the bench, and something in my heart just, I fell in love with this man, and and there were other people there too, but I couldn't. Be, this person was special, and I said he doesn't belong here, and we started a forbidden affair, and my life kind of started to kind of go down. I was living, renting the room, I had to sneak him in, and I got ended up getting kicked out. So I hopped. So from that point, I was hopping around um, to different rooms for rent because I knew I was never going to be homeless. Right. You know, he he could live on the street. I could not. I'm not made that way. You know, and I wasn't involved in any of the drugs or the drinking. Um, unfortunately, he was. 
Um, and so anyway, um, what ended up happening was there was came a time when I thought the relationship wasn't good and I tried to get away. So I tried to leave Staten Island, and that was in 2015, and I had a bird. I had a pet bird from when I was a teenager, 17 years old, living at my parents' house. Oh, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 22 oh, okay. to get away from my crazy mother. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, you know, if I don't get out of here, I'm never going to make it. I'm not going to survive emotionally in this world. I've got to save myself. So I, you know, I took myself out, and I was able to withstand on my own forever. Which is great, I think. Very, that's strong. Absolutely strong spirit. Yes. Spirit. Um, so I, uh, so in in 2015, I left Staten Island to actually try to start a new life, to get away from him and start new. And so I ended up actually, I, I I had a friend. I was always into spirituality, and I had an Indian friend who was like a father figure. My father's like an absent father. He was not really there for me. He's got issues too. So I just really didn't have a man, a man, a good man um, figure. So he tried to save me, and I lived at an ashram in Pennsylvania. So this was two thousand. This is leading up to what happened to me. I don't know if th- this is good for me to say, yes, but yes, okay. Absolutely. So um, uh, I, I ended up going to the ashram, living there and working there, like doing selfless service. It was beautiful. And I got blessed by a guru, which like never happens in life. I was blessed by this beautiful guru. And I, I had his picture with me in a little in a little pocket. And what happened was it wasn't working. After I got blessed by him, he ended up leaving his body and passed away a month later. And uh, the ashram wasn't working out because I was working for this this woman that was, <laughs> she was a lot of drama. And it just, she was just not a really good person. And it looked like I had to leave. And that was in 2015. So my friend, again, my Indian friend, his name is Ra- Rakesh. Um, he, he, he said, I have a friend. Uh, uh, and, and he's willing to set you up with a place to live and a job if you move to Michigan. Cool. So I'm like, well, I, you know, at this point, again, I'm avoiding being truly, you know, homeless. I right, had really, right. you know, my parents weren't going to help me. I was really on my own in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, me, me and God, pretty much. Well, what about your, uh, what about your sister, though? No. I know it's really not good. <laughs> You know, it was really just... Uh, How did you fall out of touch with her? Well, me and her growing up, we used to fight a lot, too. Um, she, I, I, she has her own things that she goes... I don't know. She just... She didn't... Like, they, they didn't take me in. You know what I mean? They just did not. Was she aware of what you were going through? Yeah. But I just... You know, like again, this was like pure survival mm-hmm. mode. And, and I was trying to be around people that I knew like were loving me and supporting me. And um, so, uh, yeah, I know it sounds weird. Like, where was your family and all this? But they just were. I think they were you not know, helping. When, when you talk about um, stereotypes and and things like that, I, I think that's the first thing people think of, right? Where where was your family? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like most people would have their family help them. They but wouldn't you just let them. them. No, yeah. no. So and, did you did you end up? going to Michigan? Yeah, so so to this is where I like okay, I I am like okay, what what I really love about myself is that I am a risk taker and risks have paid off for me like sometimes not, but other times, you know, yeah. yeah. So I had nothing to lose, I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. So I went to Michigan. 
And here I am living in Michigan. And, you know, this this Indian man uh, and his wife took me in, which was very beautiful. And, uh, you know, they, they were feeding me I, and they were going to set me up with the place. And I was working at a hotel. He trained me how to be at the front desk because I'm pretty good with people uh, at the front desk of the hotel. But the problem was he, he didn't pay me. And I thought he was going to pay me. The thing was, I didn't have my proper IDs. I was trying to go and get, you know, proper ID. And I was working at the DMV there. And I'm like, you know, aren't I supposed to be getting a paycheck? And, and he's like, oh, you don't have you have to wait till you get the proper. And I'm like, but I have the paper. He was just being weird. And I'm like, this is really not working out. Right. So now because I have the borderline, you know, my emotions, I flipped. Okay, I'll flip out. I get angry. And the anger lasts longer than normal people, whatever you want to call normal people. Normal people can return to more of a baseline. But with my emotions, I get more intense and it takes me longer to kind of cool off. So I might say things that I regret, you know, but I've learned that now at my age, 42, that you got to, you know take it down a few a few notches but anyway so what happened was I had a fight with him and then I felt really bad and I'm like I'm really sorry I'm going through I'm so stressed I don't know I'm in a, a different state I'm, I'm away from people that I used to you know know and uh and and he's like he goes well he goes you know what he goes I'm gonna give you enough money for one week at a hotel so he just dropped me off at a hotel. I forgot the name of it. It wasn't the one that he was running. And he goes, here, here's money for the hotel. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what am I going to do now? Like severing ties with yeah, you. Basically, like you no yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your, your friend. Rakesh. Uh, Rakesh yeah. must have not known him no. that well. No, right? no, he didn't. He was trying to save me. Yeah. yeah. And um, and and then like I felt like a like a complete, utter failure like you know here I am like my friend was trying to help me and then like you know it didn't work out with this guy so so I was trying so hard to get a job and this was Grand Rapids Michigan so here I am at this hotel and um you know and by the way the, the bird I had you know uh his name was Mr. Baby uh, my bird is like my was my soul he was a little cockatiel a male cockatiel I had since he was a little tiny puffball and 23, 23 years, this bird has been with me through, he was like my little son, like he's been with me through everything. Okay, this is like a heartbreaking story, but um, he's been with me, I just want to let you know, he's been with me through every single thing in my life. So anyway, um, he stayed back and I kept him at a place that took care of him when I was at the ashram. So he was still back in Pennsylvania, I'm in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm at this hotel for a whole week then the money's going to run out, right? Now, I had about $120 with the picture of the guru in my little, I had a little, like, like pot, like, sat, like, like I had, like, just enough money, okay? Were you telling Rakesh, like, what No, you no, no, at him? this point, okay. I felt so in, ashamed. Yeah. Like, I felt like I failed. Yeah, yeah. Like, he tried to do me this favor, and I felt like I failed. And, like, um, it was basically at, like, life and death point, because, like, what am I, you know, I'm by myself, I was 30, 38 years old. And I'm like, 2015, I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, this is it. Like, this is down to the wire. This is the, this is it. And so um, I had some friends and I heard about like Catholic charities, you know. So I called 311 in Michigan and the lady on the phone literally said, she said, sweetheart, she goes, I feel so bad that you're in this right now. She goes, but you don't want to be homeless in Michigan. 
Uh, she goes, you don't want to be in the Michigan system. She goes, I don't think you're going to make it. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you know, here I am like thinking this, like I can't be on the street. Right. I've never been homeless in my whole life. Never thought this would ever, you know, happen to me, you know? Um, and she goes, go back to New York. And I'm like, oh my God, but I can't, I said, I don't want to go back back to this guy. I'm going to go back to the guy because I was still in love with him, but I was trying to like do the right thing. And, and she goes, go back to New York. I felt like that was like a, like a sign from the universe, like speaking to me. And she goes, you have, she goes, if you had support, go back. She goes, they'll have more support there. I'm like, okay. So I called up Catholic Charities and they gave me the number for a place called Help USA in the Bronx. And I had never been to the Bronx. You know, I was like a Staten Island girl, the Bronx, the Bronx. You know, I'm like, no Bronx. Okay. <laughs> I am not going. I, so, but I, I, I was desperate, right? I mean, it was like life. Life and death, for real. Yeah. So I called up. I called up. It was called Franklin Help USA. And I called up, and they go, we're here 24 hours. Just come whenever you can. So I had, a hundred and I think, $120. The Greyhound ticket was $116. Like, this is... If this is not something watching... Guardian Angels watching out for me in life, like, that would have been the... You know, you either give up, you know... Or you, you move on, you know. So in the Bronx, was this like so, a yeah. well, well, long-term the, shelter? No, no, well, this is the thing that well, and this is when the, you know you usually hear about the the Legionnaires' disease was breaking out in the Bronx at that time. So I arrived back in New York City on that in the Port Authority. Here I was. I'm like, here I am back in New York City again. And I, I had to get on that train all the way up to the Bronx. I'm like, oh my god, I'm in the Bronx. And that's when the Legionnaires broke out. With the water, with the with the fountains, and here I am going to. Ha- I had to enter in August eighth, two thousand fifteen. I'll never forget it. Was the, I stepped foot in Franklin Women's Shelter, and I I couldn't believe this was happening. So I'm like, I can't believe I. And I was a became a number. A number would have been. It was this summer. It was sweating hot. They had one fan in the room. Oh, yeah. it, it was, and I had. That's when I saw drug use. In the bathroom. That's when I got to see, you know, my little sheltered self was like, wow, this is the real world. This is really the real world now. And I survived 24 days there. And then they said, you want to get transferred to a place called Susan's Place, you know, for women that have some, you know, issues. Uh, And they said, that's one of the safest ones. At this time, were you still able to find medication or how was that going i was still on medicine at the time how how? well well because i had i had a great psychiatrist that i kept in touch with okay and he had prescribed it for me wow thank god i know it was how yeah i think i needed some medicine at that time because i would have probably lost my mind completely but you know so it helped it helped like it served its purpose to that time but i was still you know this was still all happening to me in those 24 days in the bronx did you connect with anyone yeah see, see well okay oh um this uh, well i wanted to share with you something that was very a beautiful uh, phone call that i made when i arrived at the shelter i've never in my whole life i could talk to anybody i can make friends with anyone i've that was always a, you, i was gonna able. say that you're such a people person yeah, that I, I i imagine you would have formed some kind yes, of relationship okay, yeah I, okay, yeah i did i always one of my big things because because when i was little made fun of all the time um you know, a sense of belonging and connection was always a big, 
overriding factor within me. You know, everyone has that. But for me, it was really important. So, you know, actually, the shelter wasn't as bad as it could have been for other people because there was a sense of, like, we're all in it together. Right. You know? Right. Because I had been so kind of alone on that other journey trying to survive, you know? Um, But uh, so when, when when I got to Franklin... I, I like I, I I had some sort of courage within me to make that phone call to Rakesh, and I said Rakesh, I said uh, I said I feel like a failure, and he's an astro. I love astrology. He's a, an Indian astrologer, and he goes, your chart was like you were gonna like basically be dead, like in the ground. Goodbye, the end. That's it. Like based on a configuration in my chart, and and he's like he goes. You are the most bravest person that I know. He goes, you're not a fail. He goes, I can't believe you're calling. Me. I said, I failed. You tried to save me. He goes, no. He goes, you look. He goes, you saved yourself. He goes, that is. He goes, you're the, one of the most amazing people that I know. So that that phone call like stayed with my heart forever. Did he give you an update on the bird? What? Oh yeah. Well, the the bird. The bird is sad with the bird. <laughs> the bird is the saddest of this all, really. Um, so I made it into Susan's place, care care for the homeless. You got transferred, right? Yeah. And I was there for one whole year. And I said, when I got into Susan, I said, I am getting out of here and I am not going to be in a shell. You know, again, I could not live on the street. I need to take showers. I, I need to sleep in a bed. I need food. Like, I can't live, you know on the street I just can't be made I'm not made like that and uh, so within about a month you know I, I didn't have any more money you know I'm li- now I'm living on pure welfare like $91.50 a month that's all I got and food stamps okay. and the shelter fed me but the food wasn't that great I was like alright um, so I couldn't keep up paying for my bird and uh, the, the worst, the worst of the worst moment of my life, because I said I'll never let go of the bird, was um, the 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 people at the um, at the place that was holding in Pennsylvania. You know, they were really trying to work. They said we are so sorry. They said you know, they said you're going to have to. I had to do. I had to write a letter and give him over. And it was the most painful thing I've ever had in my whole. I asked my parents to take my bird. They said no. My mother said, your bird bit us. I said, are you kidding me? This is my heart. I know. So she wouldn't do. I said, I can't believe you're doing this. So uh, it was really bad. So I so I had to sign over. I, I, I kept his feather. <laughs> it's very sad. Um, his feather stayed his, when I had visited him the last time when, before I left Pennsylvania the ashram he had flew to me and his feather fell out and that feather stayed with me all the way through the shelter and is with me to this day you know so I had him for 23 years and uh, so they, they promised they said don't worry you know we're going to take really good care of him and we'll make sure he gets adopted by a really beautiful family and I made friends with with a girl named Kiki in the ashram, and she loved me. And she loved we called him little boy, my little bird. She, she and and she, later on, a year later, after I got out of the shelter, thank God, we talked on the phone. She goes, you know, how are you? You know, I told her what happened. She goes, oh my God, she couldn't believe it. No one could believe that I became in a shelter. 
And she goes, I want to call up the place that had little boy. She goes, do you mind? She goes, I know it hurts too much for you to do it. She goes, can I just see if he was all right? And they said, yeah. They go, within a month, he was adopted by a loving family. So, you know, I know in my heart, you right. know, and then I had a dream about him. I, I think maybe the dream, like maybe he passed on because he came in the dream. He, It's very... Uh, but that's wonderful. Heart wrenching. So quickly, yeah. You know, somebody was saw loved, yes. how special I mean, I, he was. Yes. and was like, oh, he was I, the I most sweetest. Yeah, home. yeah. You know. So I know, I know that's a heartbreaker, but that was the most hardest thing I ever, ever had to to, to deal. You know. So what did you do once you got out of the shelter? Well, well, okay. Well, you know, this is interesting because, like, I felt like I was giving up. Like there was a point um, that I was giving up. And just like trying to just sleep all day. Like I wasn't really, you know, and there were people saying, why don't you, you know, apply for the housing, right? This was when you were. This is when I was in the shelter, right? At now, uh, Susan's place. Susan's right? place, right. So, so this is, this is I, I'm going to be very fast on this. This is, this is an interesting story. There was one lady, okay, whatever. She was a drinker, whatever. Okay, you know, I mean, I wasn't a drink. I, I tried to really, I was always like more on the street and now I don't yeah, want to get yeah. involved in all that junk. She was loud. Da, 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 right? Now I was there before her. You know, the rule is, hey, if you get there after, you don't get out before. You know, these women are paying their time. So she's all she goes, Oh, you know, they took me to see this apartment. Like your own apartment, your own studio. There were people that were getting placed up with other people. They had to sleep in the same room when you get out. And I'm like, hell no. I want my own place. I am not going to deal. I was in a room of 26 women waking up at 6 a.m. every day. Yeah. Okay. And one of these girls, <laughs> the most annoying voice in the world, sitting sleeping next to me. I wanted to like punch her out every day. She'd be like, hello. And I'm like, and she would do it on purpose. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get through this. I'm really going to get through this. This really, I got through it. But anyway, um, what I had to deal with was so, um, so she, so this one girl was going on and on, totally ungrateful that she had a chance to get out and get a beautiful, she was complaining that it was a little too small to have her family come over. I'm like, oh my God. So like, I didn't say anything to her. And I just said to another girl that I was, that was there, I said, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to, you know what I mean? But it, I didn't say it to her, right? So there was the lady that was the place, the placement lady for the housing. Mm-hmm. I marched right up to her. Yes, again, I have my guts. No one's going to stop me. I said, hey, I said, I'm ready. Put me in. And this was, so I went in August 8th. I went to Susan's on uh, Labor Day, September 2015. August 15, 2016, I was leaving the shelter to my own studio apartment. Now, how does that work, oh, yeah. though? Because so yeah. you, don't, you don't have no, a job no. at this point, right? No. So they, they pay for X amount of days or something? Or? Yes. Okay. okay. Well, well I, I was blessed. Remember, now, I had applied for disability, too, while yeah. I was in the shelter. Yeah, yeah. Someone said, apply. And I did. So, you know, again, and I'm... That, that long after leaving work, you can still apply for... Just because of okay. the... The, okay. me, the borderline thing because of my diagnosis and everything I okay. had been, you know, been through. Um, so uh, they had denied me originally, but I went and filed again. And um, so what happened was, uh, so I went up to to Annette. I'm sorry, am I allowed to give the name? Yeah, went, that's okay. Fine. I, I went up to Annette for the housing, and I said, "Can you please send my package out to?" 
uh, you know, these places. And now I didn't even ask her to send it to the place that that lady just came from. She goes, oh, I want to let you know I sent it to, uh, I don't know, am I allowed to, to give places and names that help people yeah, out? Okay, fine. Well, it's Project Renewal. Mm-hmm. It was through a program, of, and, you know, and they help, you know, move you along. Yep. Temporary housing. Mm-hmm. So uh, an SRO studio apartment yep. your own studio apartment and she goes oh I want to let you know I put your application in for that place and I'm, I'm thinking like that's the place that that lady came from right so within one week do you know that they brought me in to have the interview for that place and they saw I'm a, I'm a good girl really and they, they love me and within a week right you know they had to do all the paperwork and and and, and when I went back to shelter she's like she goes, you know, they told me that they lost my paperwork. All right. And I, she goes, how are you? And I said, I don't know. I guess it's just meant to be. I just, that was one of the stories I just really love because here was someone completely. Un- I was the hat. And I got one of the bigger apartments looking out to the backyard that had. That was one of the apartments in the Bronx, in yeah. the Bronx, in the worst area in the world. No one ever messed. They thought I was an undercover cop. No one ever messed with me. Ever. It was beautiful. And how long ago was this? I lived there for two years. Okay. And then actually I ended up reuniting with my boyfriend and we ended up, uh, I got blessed with social security and got a nice lump sum. So my life really uh, turned turned around completely. So up to this point, you know, um, I'm getting my life back together again. And uh, I even got like a little part-time acting, um, getting involved in that. Were you worried, and, though, that with um, with reuniting with your boyfriend, that some of those issues... Yeah. That were, were you worried about that? Did you yes. guys talk about that? Yes, we did. Well, the thing was, him and I were always very emotionally... How did cl- he even find close. you? No, well, I went back to... When I lost the bird, like, I stayed away from ah. him for seven months. Yeah, yeah. And losing the bird was just too much. Mm-hmm. And I knew where to find him, and I went back. And then, okay. you know, we kept kept going, and then... He ended up getting, he says, I, I, I basically saved his life. So I got him off the street, and he ended up getting totally sober. Wow. So uh, what a what a story, right? They said I can make a, a movie about my life. Absolutely. Um, and now, you know, so we're, you know, we're both working on ourselves and uh, positivity okay. on an upward swing. And I got out of all of it. Yeah. I made it out. So tell me, like, what what you see for uh, the short in the short term uh, for goals, and and in the long term, what are you hoping for now? I mean, you know, I just want to keep having amazing, beautiful experiences like this. You know, I want to just keep, um, you know, connecting, yeah. making sure I have a lot of support, good people. I want to be around really good people that I know really love me. Yeah. That's what counts. Number one. Yeah. Um, you know, my money is 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 better, secure, and like now I want to start working, getting back out, and you know, showing myself to the world again. What would you I, like to do now? I know I have a lot to offer. Yeah. Well, like I said, I got involved with some, uh, gifted with some background acting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I signed up with a casting place, and um, and I got called. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm just I'm flowing with that and seeing where it takes me. And what about your boyfriend? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, he's working on his sobriety, you know, and um, and we're, we're just going to keep, you know, hopefully, you know, he's blind in one eye. So um, and his other eye was suffering. So I don't know if he can really, you know, work. Mm-hmm. 
because of the life he's had too. But you know, we're just we're just loving each other right now. Isn't it crazy <laughs> the um, the stereotypes I imagine you saw and what people think of? It's just it blows my mind that people don't think they can fall on hard times themselves. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, here I am. You know, I I was an uh, an accounting degree person that you know worked perfectly in the world you know and um and you said yourself came from a comfortable home yes i always i came from nice money my my parents had jaguar you know you know what i mean um you know like it, it can happen like it comes from it can happen to anybody really mm-hmm. you know unfortunately you know this is the world that we're living in right now you know paycheck to paycheck you know anyone can you could lose your job and yeah you know, you never know. It's very scary. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really very scary. I, I don't know if now would be the the time, but at any point down the line, do you do you think there would be a want to repair things with your sister or your parents? I've tried. Really? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because my mother developed kidney cancer when I was in the, sh- the shelter. And uh, uh, she she's she's on medicine, and uh, kidney cancer is the only cancer that is resistant to chemo. Mm. And uh, she, but she needed me. Of course, she wanted me to uh, visit her, and I did when I was in the shelter. And she said that my my love healed her because I she knows how much I love her. Um, but she's just you know she's not well. Mm. And so I think, you know, making peace with that, I've always had to, to deal. That, that's the one thing that always killed my heart, my mom. You know, uh, I always wanted to be closer to her, but she just is not capable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, her and my dad, they're like one separate unit. And um, they didn't save me. But I got saved, you know, else, you know, otherwise. You saved yourself. Yeah, I did save myself. You did. Uh, that says so much about you. I mean, God, if you want something to be proud of, you got you were getting pushed down a lot, and you said no. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, how has this whole experience, your your life, changed how you view uh, the homeless or people in shelters? Well, you know, I, like I said, it was a real deep eye opener, you know, because like I said, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, using and, you know, I felt bad for that, you know, and, uh, you know, I, th- there was, there, there was one woman, uh, that was in the shelter, um, you know, and I, I, my heart went out to her. She was, she was really, she had it, she had, uh, you know, <laughs> issues too. We all do, but, uh, like she actually worked. Mm-hmm. And and I felt sometimes people that didn't have like the di- a diagnosis suffered in the shelter because they thought oh they're capable, and she's probably still there. You know I got out. You know what I mean? It it hurt that hurt me because she did make a real effort to try to get a job. Like I think she tried to be like a security guard, but she was also not, and she see she she couldn't admit that she wasn't she was right. suffering. Right, and that's sad. You know I admitted hey you know I got some issues. You know, I want to be the best person I can be. Let's let's work it out. Let's figure out a solution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to be I, the best I think person. that's hard for anybody because what you're yeah. talking about is taking accountability. Yeah. 
And you have to really look at yourself and face yourself. And most people can't do that. You know, they can't face themselves. Flower, you (laughs) are a sweetheart. Thank you so much for doing this, for sharing your story. I think it's going to help. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you, Mike. Huge thank you once again to Flower for sharing her story. Also, thank you to Care for the Homeless. Without Adriana and Care for the Homeless, this absolutely wouldn't have been possible. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about Care for the Homeless. For over 35 years, they've brought essential medical, mental, and behavioral health care to people experiencing homelessness in New York City. They currently operate 24 health care delivery sites through Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, and Queens, and they have plans to open more in the near future. For more information, on Care for the Homeless, visit careforthehomeless.org. I'm Mike Adam, and thank you for listening to Untold.